So today, 71 new community cases, 32 yet to be linked, two Waikato cases from yesterday still unlinked, and the message remains the same, get vaccinated. So Saturday will be Super Saturday. The Vaxathon will be underway in an attempt to try and vaccinate 90-odd thousand people in the day, which would be a record. I'm mm. um, looking forward to it. One of the initiatives that... Um, NZME's hit upon us to try to get to 90%. And we're going to be talking to Dr. D, Dr. Anthony Jordan now. He's the Northern Region Health Coordination Centre's clinical director and, I might say, one of only two Māori immunologists in Aotearoa. His motivation working with the vaccination programme is ensuring equal access for all Māori to both the vaccine and to informed kōrero about why getting vaccinated is the best way to protect whānau and the community from COVID-19. So we just thought it was a good opportunity to get the doctor on. If you've got any questions or concerns... Um, now's your opportunity, 0800 uh, Dr. Anthony Jordan is with us, taking your calls for half an hour. Hello there, Doctor. Yep. Great to have you on the show. Thank you. Hi, how are you? Well, very well, thank you. Why so few Māori immunologists, you reckon, in New Zealand? Uh, I think there's, there, when we started, there were a few Māori doctors, and immunology is a relatively small, small specialty as well. Um, there's about 16 of us across the country in total. So as a proportion, we're not doing too too badly, I suppose. Right, I suppose, yes. Are there only 16 Māori doctors across the country? Is that what you said? No, 16, 16 immun- immunologists. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we would hope there's more than 16 <laughs> yeah. Māori doctors. Okay, yeah, yeah. All right. So, hey. do, so doctor, let's, let's begin. Super Saturday, only a couple of days away. What do people need to know? Well, it obviously, we'll be extending our opening hours. Most of our sites will be open that sometimes aren't open on a Saturday. Um, we'll be trying to do some uh, socially distanced uh, mass activities, uh, and a lot of our sites will be dressing up and providing some entertainment on the day as well, just to give it more of a lively feel. So you're responsible for the northern region, but this is happening right across the country as well, isn't it? Yep. Yep. It okay. Is. So what are the hurdles that you're coming up against? Uh, people getting vaccinated because it's it's pretty big these hurdles what are they I think um, for those people that have not been vaccinated yet yet it's been uh, waiting for answers to questions that they may not have had answered so far some people are just waiting in general they just say I just want to wait a bit longer and then there are other things like uh, accessibility issues not being able to get to a local vaccination site um, and so those barriers exist, uh, you know, particularly in rural areas where you may have to travel 150, 200 kilometres to get to someone who can give you a vaccine. Doctor, why do you think there's... Well, actually, I shouldn't say why is this in case that it's not, in fact, correct. I, some of those transport issues, I think, would be valid for the Māori and Pacifica community, but why does it seem to be there's a greater reluctance for Māori and Pacifica to get vaccinated? Full stop. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I think it's a reluctance. I think there's just got to be a bit more trust and confidence in what we're offering and the system behind it. Um, So I think generally, if you look at other vaccinations, such as influenza, you can actually achieve really high results in Māori and Pacifica communities approaching 95%. So I I think vaccination is something that Māori and Pacific peoples are willing to accept. 
You've just got to make that connection and build the trust and confidence with them. So I trust medical professionals. I really, really do, by and large. One thing I, I was a little concerned about, this is just a personal thing, is when the advice was to get your jab three weeks apart from the first to the second, and then that changed that maybe there was more greater efficacy if you waited for six to eight weeks, and then they came back and said, look, you can actually get it now three weeks apart, so bring it forward if you want. I didn't like that messaging from uh, from the medical um, arena because I've all it just seemed a bit wishy-washy. Why why did that advice change? Well, I don't think it's I don't think it's really changed. I think the the problem was the real reason that we wanted to move to a six to eight week gap was actually to enable more dose ones to be delivered. If you imagine your greatest level of increase in protection is between having no doses and dose one, if you can get as many dose ones out as possible, you kind of get more bang for your buck, so to speak. And so giving a wider gap, we know it wouldn't do harm, um, but it's not, you know, some people talked about, oh, it may be a bit more efficacious, but actually that was on a blood marker. The real studies that showed the hard clinical endpoints were all done at three weeks. So I think people should just remember anywhere between three to six weeks is perfectly fine to get your second dose. Right. Well, great to hear that from you because, you see, that's where I've hated this whole thing has become highly politicised. And so if you don't like the Labour government, you don't trust the messaging. And the messaging from the government, they should have put that out there saying the first jab, we just want to get a greater number of first people vaccinated, that first shot underway. Whereas the message I felt was more about kind of the efficacy being greater. And so that's what I took on board. And so when that changed, I'm like, oh, that sounds a bit fishy. So so I, that's why I'm in favour of you guys doing the messaging rather than any government, whoever it is on the day. You know, it's you guys are in the industry. You know what you're talking about. Um, and I just wonder if some other people have been put off by that, do you think? Well, it's hard to know. I think, I think if you've found that as a message that has, you know, been confusing or not clear, then surely others may have felt the exact same way. Mm. It's interesting because when we first made the announcement, we actually announced it as a dose one strategy. Um, but sometimes when you say it once, it doesn't necessarily sink in. So it's probably one of those things that we needed to just keep repeating. Actually, this is not so much about three being better than six. This is actually about getting more dose ones in. Great. Really good to have you on the show. Let's uh, whip to the phones. Jabe is on the line. Hello, Jabe. Hello, guys. Yeah, g'day there. We've got Dr. Anthony Jordan standing by for your question. All right. Uh, we not against the vaccine. We want to get the vaccine. However, we are in the age of 45, and my partner is 42, and uh, we met, met uh, late in life, and obviously now we want to have kids, and we're just pulled back a little bit on it, waiting on, hopefully she can get pregnant. And the uh, question is, should we risk it with other additional chemicals in our body or should we just uh, take the chemicals that generally comes in life? Good question. Mm. Yeah, so um, there is, for some reason, people have been worried about infertility uh, being a side effect of the COVID vaccine. There's no evidence that it causes infertility. And if you look at a country like Portugal, where almost 90% of their population are double-dosed, their birth rate's gone up. So I think we should be pretty happy that people are still having babies uh, with the COVID vaccine. There you go, Jabe. That's uh, it in a nutshell. And, and from your perspective, doctor, pregnant mothers getting the vaccine? Yeah, really important. So I think the, the important messaging around 
uh, pregnancy is that it's safe, it's well studied. Both mother, mothers and babies do better if they're vaccinated than if they get COVID-19. We keep hearing the word safe, Dr Jordan, but um, you know, a lot of people think it was made really quickly. So how do we know it's safe? Yeah, so you've got to think about it as a staged process. So the technology for mRNA uh, vaccines were sort of created in about 1994. In 2004, the technology was put forward for uh, cancer-based vaccines. And then there are other vaccines like rabies, Zika and influenza where they used the mRNA technology. So there was a lot of building blocks here even before COVID-19 hit. So this isn't quick. What happens is when people work together to produce something to face a threat like COVID-19, this is actually what that, what can be achieved. So actually it's a feat of uh, people working together rather than it being a rush process. Very good. Doctor, thank you so much for your time. Dr. Anthony Jordan with us. Nice text here. It says, this session with the doctor is being very well run. It makes a nice difference for sensible questions to be asked <laughs> and the expert allowed to answer without challenge. This is giving me confidence in the vaccine. I'm hesitant, so this is leading the way. What about us? <laughs> uh, Dr. Anthony Jordan, thank you very much for your time. I enjoyed that feedback. <laughs> <laughs> now, Doctor, I, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but I'm going to put it to you because I'm sure you experienced this kind of feedback on many occasions. I don't like what I'm hearing, says the texter. The UK has 20% of its hospitalised COVID patients that are pregnant from the vaccine. Is that true? No. No. Well, um, so uh, I would just say that 20% of the hospitalised patients in the UK that are unvaccinated are pregnant. Right. Right. I think I think that may have been phrased the wrong way around. I think what this person's trying to say is I'm worried that people who are pregnant that are unvaccinated go to hospital right. more than others, and that is true. Oh, okay. I got lost then. <laughs> I'm going, yeah, 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 okay. I'm, I'm catching up with you. It's good. I got you. Yeah. Yeah, right. Now, here's a <laughs> question from Daniel, I think it is. Hello, Daniel. Hi Simon, hi James, and hello Dr Anthony, was it? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Hey, look, um, I must say uh, I, I was incredibly sort of hesitant, 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 um, but then about two weeks ago we went and got the jab and, you know, had the standard issue, sore arm and what have you, but then things started to take a bit of a more sinister side with me where I was getting sort of chest pain, um, and I went and saw my GP and they put me on an ECG and all the rest of it, and they they said from the ECG results things were not looking great. Um, they had blood sent away urgently under acute demand, um, and when it came back, they said there was no heart damage, but the inflammation marker, which should be between zero and five, was at was at eleven or fourteen. Sorry. Mm. Um, anyway, long story short, um, it's been reported to CALM, you know, the the database that goes to MedSafe for adverse yep. reactions. Um, as being mild myocarditis. Now, as soon as she said myocarditis, I freaked out because, you know, I'm 39 years old. They say that heart conditions are hereditary. I've never had any heart conditions, neither in my family. You know, you can only die once, so I'm very scared now, so to speak, about what happens with getting the second jab. Great question, Daniel. Yeah, that is a good question, Daniel. It's something, obviously... The really important part about diagnosing someone with myocarditis is they have to have 
one of the heart enzymes being elevated. So in New Zealand, we look at either a troponin I or a troponin T test, um, and those would be the blood markers that I'd be interested in because that shows that there's inflammation specifically in the heart. The test you were talking about is a C-reactive protein, which usually in most people sits between 0 to 5. Um, yep. That's non-specific when it goes up, and sometimes when your immune system's activated, in the case of vaccination, for a good reason, it can lift a little bit higher. So I would go back and talk to your doctor again about was there something missing around was my heart enzyme elevated? Because if it is, mm. then what you should do is wait for the alternative vaccine when it comes through. Right, yeah. So at the moment she's got me on naproxen, which is a, you know, anti-inflammatory. Yeah. Um, and because we happen to have health insurance, I've, I've said, look, just go all out on this. And I've got a referral to a heart specialist and I'm going to go and see them tomorrow. But is there oh. something I should say to the specialist tomorrow? Yeah, I, um, I would, you know, obviously ask the question, were my heart enzymes raised? And almost mm. certainly the, uh, the cardiologist who you'll be seeing will then yeah. tell you that information and they may choose to do an echocardiogram, which is an ultrasound yeah. scan of your heart. That's exactly what they're doing. Not, yeah. yeah, because sometimes if you've got pericarditis, inflammation around the heart, it won't make your uh, heart muscle go uh, level go up, but it may cause inflammation around the heart sac itself. So that'll be an important thing for you to know, what am I actually dealing with? Is this sure. pericarditis or myocarditis? Daniel, great question. Uh, we're yeah. going to have to leave it, but mate, thank you very much and wonderful answers, doctor. I mean, yeah. we, I mean, this is all good stuff. We've run, we've run out of time, which is such a blow, but we will get you on again because we're getting such great feedback. This is great for our ratings, you are, doctor. I have to say, we have to get you on every day. <laughs> Super quick question before we go: Can you please ask the doctor? It's urgent for me. If I contract COVID, do I get natural immunity? You do get some natural immunity. What I would say about natural immunity is if you get a mild case of COVID, it's uh, not as good. If you get a severe case of COVID, it's better, but you run the risk of becoming really unwell. So the vaccine's still the way forward. Doctor, so good, yeah. Thank you very much for your time. All the very best, and we look forward to chatting again. Great. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a good day. You too. You too. What a nice man. Yeah, Dr. Anthony Jordan.